Okay, so there we go. It's up there. All right. So we are we're launching into a new series, and I know that when we do this, it's always a bigger deal to me than it probably is to you. But it's a bit, it's it's fun. I'm really excited about this this series. It's titled One Anothering, and what we're doing is looking at the different one another's that are found in our in our Bibles. There are actually there's actually uh, around 60 one anothers. And then if you take those one another's and you distill them down into, into uh, just a few that kind of overlap, there's, there's about 25 or so one another's. We're not going to be able to cover all of them in our series, but um, just a plug, if you're in a growth group this week, you'll get an opportunity to look at the fuller list and um, make suggestions for what we might need as a church body, what you think that the church body would benefit from to have a sermon and growth group questions based on, and you can get that, you can get that back to me so that it's a little bit tailor-made for, tailor-made for us as we go through because I, I have a few, a few weeks that I need to fill with your suggestions. But um, anyway, one another's. There's all kinds of one another's in Scripture, so you know what they are. Love one another, encourage one another, provoke one another, towards love and good deeds, <laughs> um, build one another up, speak spiritually to one another, honor one another, be hospitable to one another. And, um, and today we're just focused on being devoted to one another, being devoted. Romans 12.10 says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. When, um, when I was just a young guy, well, not a young guy, when I was 16, my, my dad, he took, me, he took me out and he, he said, it's time I get a credit card as a 16-year-old. And um, that could be a dangerous thing. And when, I remember we went, it was Bank of America at the time when, when we went there. And we go to Bank of America and he says, he says um, okay, Bill, um, I have to co-sign this card for you, which means that if you don't pay it, I have to pay it, is what dad says. And so he goes, I'm making a pretty big commitment to the bank here, but if, if you want me to make this commitment, then you, Bill, have to make a commitment to me. And that commitment is, you will commit to me that you will never, ever go a month without paying the full balance of this card off. Anything you spend is only because you're trying to build credit and build points. It's just a tool. And as soon as, if you were to break that commitment, I think he said I'd break, he'd break something of mine, but, um, <laughs> but uh, I actually, I know he said that, but my dad and I have a good relationship, so that's okay. Um, but being committed, we, we do this through our, our lives. We commit to certain things. Um, we had our second, we were doing monthly marriage maintenance seminars, and we had our second one this last Friday, and we had a great time again. Um, our topic was fighting fair, which was a fun topic to have. Um, and it's a little bit of a, um, a struggle when, or you kind of put a target on your back if you're going to be communicating about fighting fair with your spouse. And, and, and we were 
prepping for this and we're thinking, boy, we, we sure better not get in a fight while we're preparing a fighting fair seminar. And we didn't. It was, it was okay. But, but marriage certainly is, is a huge commitment that we make publicly. Um, obviously, too, when we, when we buy certain things, when we, we take out loans for certain things, we're making a, a commitment to, to, to pay off that loan. But also, you're making a commitment to whatever it is you're making the loan for and however long that's going to last. So, for example, if you're, if you're buying a Ford and you're, you're pretty much committing yourself to that for the next 50 years. But if you buy yourself a Chevy or a Dodge, you're, you're committing yourself to that for the next four or five years. But um, in any case, in any case, in any case, um, I just speak the truth is all. Um, and more applicably to where we're at as a church right now, um, we spent the last month, and if you didn't know this, well, you know this. We spent the last month in our capital stewardship campaign. And I know a lot of you are glad that we're not talking about stewardship this week, um, which is good. Some of you said that you wanted to strangle me, um, but you did that in love. But no, it was actually an amazing, amazing time for the life of our church. We got to, we got to see God do uh, some pretty incredible things for um, his kingdom through us. And so just to kind of report back, if you hadn't heard, our goal was a million dollars to raise. Our, our, our entire project's about 2.5 million to, to go from where we're at to where we have a finished building. And um, we're, our goal was a million dollars for this campaign. And we raised, well, at the last count, it was $953,000. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's so I'm, I know more, we haven't been able to count for the last week because the only one that sees that is our, our financial secretary and she's out of town. So I'm actually quite positive we, we've, we've met that goal, which is, which is really great, which is really great. But even what's more great than that is what that does is that, that just points to the fact that you are committed to this church carrying on a legacy so that from 60 years from now, your grandkids or great-grandkids are going to be the ones that are up here on stage that are going to be singing during the service. Um, we've, we've, we've allowed for a greater opportunity for the ministry to go forth down the road. And so that's a huge thing. So that was a commitment that we as a church made together. And one thing I didn't think about, it was I missed this in our planning process, but, but we, actually, um, we actually planned this campaign to go over hunting season. And the fact that we hit our goal in Yakult over hunting season is an absolute miracle. So um, that's a blessing too. But, but um, the commitment that was shown there is, is, is just a beautiful, a beautiful thing. Um, because this is the deal. The, the, the things that we commit to reveal a lot about us. The things we commit to reveal a lot about us. And so really kind of the big idea is that as, as followers of Jesus, he has called us to commit ourselves to each other. That's why we see all these one another's. We're, we're to commit ourselves to, to pursue one another relationally, to prioritize the time that we have for the benefit of, of one another. We're to prioritize our resources to doing life with one another. And, and, and so one of the important things that we understand is, is to be children of God, to be followers of Jesus. We need to know that when that takes place in our heart, that we immediately become part of a spiritual family. And that's, a, that's an awesome concept if we think about it. So if you're just to look around this room, this is your spiritual family. 
Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. The point is that God calls us to commit ourselves to each other. Now, there's some, some real strong biblical theology underpinning to this idea of, of being devoted and committed to one another. And, and what we see there is, this isn't working. Can you just move me along to the next one? So um, we see here that um, the theological aspect points out that our God is, is relational, which basically means that, that he literally himself, as God, lives in in a, in a beautiful, perfect, triune relationship. There's, there's one God and only one God. Um, that God is existing eternally in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, what we call, what we call the, the Trinity. So the Trinity, it's a mystery to us. We can't really wrap our minds around it. This has kept theologians busy for centuries, and I don't even think if you were to raise your hand in Dr. Bob's Expositor's Bible class, he could give you a perfect, clear answer in just a few minutes. Um, so, so it's, it's one of those things that is, is hard to wrap our minds around. But what we can say is that, that God is in divine community with himself. We know that. And we, we as his children, we're made in that same image. We're made with this communal gene within us. And so, so we've been given this by our creator and we're designed to live in, in these particular types of, of relationships, being committed. And we see this this played out all throughout our, our Bibles. From the very beginning, we see God creating Adam and Eve to be in relationship. He, he created them to engage with one another, engage with himself. And, and then he goes on and he, and he, and he, he creates Abe and invites Abraham to come into a covenant relationship with him. And then he wrestles with Jacob and he reaches out to Moses in a burning bush and he speaks to Jonah as well. And ultimately, God, he comes to us. Ultimately, that's what he does as one of us, that, that we might know him better, that we might experience in our guts the depth and the riches and the, of, of his love and his grace for us and how powerful that is. Mark three fourteen says, And he appointed the twelve whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him. What's interesting is Jesus didn't just minister to people. He just didn't minister at people. He brought along his 12. He brought along disciples. He brought along those that can be with him. So, so God, he has called us. And he's called us to be like him. And the command that we see here, the command is, go ahead and go to the next one, Diane. The command is to commit. To commit. A new command I give you, that you are to love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, that you will love one, if you love one another. Did I just not turn it on? Yeah, par for the course, par for the course. Thank you. Um, so, so as, as, as children of God, as followers of Jesus, it is, it's central to our Christian story that our lives is not about us. It's primar primarily not about us. It's primarily about others and taking the time to get to know and to invest and to enjoy and just to be with other people. And I don't know, when was the last time that you just paused and you just, you were present with the people that you 
are around, and you, they can be your children, they can be your spouse. I remember, um, I remember um, a, a moment when I had, I had come back from a long trip. It was actually where Jane and Andrea are right now. It was a, a, a trip in Israel, and I remember coming back, and, and uh, as I came back, I missed my wife so much, and, and I remember she's talking, and she's doing her things, and I'm looking at her, and it's like I'm looking at her for the very first time, and it's like, wow, you're my wife, you know? <laughs> And, and just the, the reality, and it's, 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 this is kind of the picture of, of how God wants us to walk daily. We get so distracted by stuff and busyness that we can miss the people that are right in front of us. And so what a blessing it is to, to be commanded by our Lord to commit in a deeper way to one another. So what does this all mean? It means that, I've got Hebrews here, Hebrews 10.24 says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And so really what we're saying here is to prioritize our relationships, how key that is to the gospel life that we live. We, we don't know what was going on with some of these believers and why they neglected to meet together, like the text says. Maybe it was because they were under some persecution or Maybe that they felt that they could just do things on their own and thrive on their own, or maybe they were just too busy with the urgent but less important things. I know I'm guilty of that. Uh, maybe they, they just kind of got out of the habit of coming together with one another. Maybe they just get distracted by activities, by sports and camp and travels and hiking and hunting and Maybe, maybe they're just like me. Maybe they're an introvert and they're a little bit socially awkward. Maybe that's one of the reasons why they didn't prioritize it. But we are to be intentional. We're supposed to be intentional about our relationships with one another. Consider, considering that, that means that we give thought and we give time and we give effort to one another. So let's look at some of these benefits that this passage lists. These are some of the benefits of, of what Hebrews is saying here. Being together is what builds our faith. It's a faith-building experience. Being together is what, what tickles and what stimulates us to love more. It is being together what stimulates us to do more good works, more good deeds. I love the time when our growth groups, you know, the growth groups come together three or four different times a year, and each growth group does a service project. And it's a fun part of the, the growth group experience when the group sits down and talks about how can we love our church in a special way this quarter, or our community in a special way this quarter, and some of the ideas that have come out of that when the growth groups sit down and they start throwing up ideas and somebody said, I don't like that idea, and the other person gets their feelings hurt a little bit, but then the other one lifts them up and they say, well, actually, that might be a good idea if we do it this way, and, and then, then things kind of begin to form, and, and, um, and I know one of the growth groups, just for example, you know, with the new 21 homes that went in over there, they started out, they, they were going to do one thing, they wanted to leave a nice invitation car on the door to come to church, but then somebody says, well, what if we go a little bit further and we talk to Impact Automotive and see if they'll donate something? And it turns out Impact Automotive donated um, 21 oil changes, and then they put some, some um, batter for muffins and some trays and some other things, and before you know it, there's 21 baskets, and guess what? They didn't just stick them in the mail. They, they took them and they left them on each door. Actually, they knocked on each door and handed them personally, and those who weren't there, they left them. But that's, that's the beautiful thing. That can't just come from nowhere. That comes from God's people that are, are stimulating one another, that are challenging one another, that are encouraging one another to, 
to apply the love that they've received from God tangibly to the people in their lives. And uh, another one I think is really important as far as, as, far as um, this goes, is stimulating, is that it builds, when we gather together, it builds courage. And I don't know if you feel it, but I certainly feel it. We seem to be ever increasingly living in a world that is ever increasingly diametrically opposed to the God that we love and the Bible that, that guides us and the, the morals that we hold high. And it seems like that cult, the culture around us is trying to suppress us. And maybe it's not the culture, maybe it's the one behind the culture. But, but as we come together as, 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 as friends in Jesus and as the body of Christ, we stimulate one another and, and build up courage within one another. Why is it that some Christians resist committing? Why do we, we resist this committing to one another? Well, here's four reasons. Um, first one is just simply ignorance. Some, some of us just simply don't realize that when we became followers of Jesus, we were brought into a family, a spiritual family. So it hasn't become a reality to us just yet. Um, and again, as me being kind of an introverted person, that's just not a natural way that I think, but yet it's who God has made me to be be wired together and yoked together with you. Um, second one that is a resisting component is just simply time. And maybe we can't fit in another time to meet, or we can't fit in another commitment, or I can't fit in another relationship or another event. But, but this is the deal. Um, I'm a busy person. Um, I, I have the kind of job that I, I am, I'm almost never really done with anything. There's always seems to be more boxes to check or more books to read or more things to pray for or visits to make or people to invest in, whatever the case might be. But I somehow find time to take a week and jump on a motorcycle with my dad and brothers and go somewhere that we find on a map. And why would I do that? I also, during the course of my week, if my son calls or my daughter calls and says, let's have a, a, a daddy-daughter, a son-son date, um, does pretty much what's, doesn't matter what's on my calendar. I pretty much clear it because that's priority. And, and the reality is we always find the time for the things that matter most to us. We always do. Um, we find the time to do those kinds of things. And so being that we're called to commit ourselves one to another, uh, it sometimes means we have to take time. We'll revisit this in just a minute. Another reason that is a hindrance is just the fear of the unknown that comes up. Um, maybe it's a potential cost. Maybe if you were to, to, to invest in someone, maybe you think, well, that'll have some cost. Or maybe it's a just straight up inconvenience. Or uh, maybe there's the conversations that you know are going to be maybe unending or the potential conflict that may come. Or really just there's a burden sometimes, isn't it? It's a burden. I, I look at Jesus's life and it's amazing. He went from one place to one place to one place. And yes, he's the son of God and he has deity in, in human form and yet he was still in human form and you see him constantly as he goes he was constantly pouring out and and he would have those special times where he would break away just to pray and 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 he would find that as a high value and a high priority but oftentimes we could be fearful of just the unknown and then this fourth one honestly i think is probably one of the, one of the top uh, on the list and it's just simply individualism um our culture just spews this at us, that it's all about us, and we want to be free from the, the, the confines of, 
of the pressures of life. And we don't want anyone to impose on us or our way of living. They don't want, we don't want anyone invading our space, calendar, home, finances, or anything like that. We don't want to do that at all. Um, we want to instead, we want to, um, we want to focus on ourselves. Now, what's great about you and us is we, we kind of uh, kind of preached this hard over the stewardship campaign, and I'm going to hold this up so that the people in the overflow room can see it too. But um, the neat thing about this is what we said about the stewardship campaign is our goal with the stewardship campaign, um, the primary goal isn't a million dollars. If God wants that to come in, that's just going to come in. The primary goal is participation. The primary goal is investment. The primary goal is that every single one of us buys into this, this, this um, project. And so that's what all of the different puzzle pieces represent on here. And um, as we talked about this earlier on, um, what's the most frustrating thing about putting together a jigsaw puzzle? It's the missing piece. And so we, have, we still have missing pieces here. And it doesn't matter if you don't have a dime to give. I'm guessing you have a minute to give to swing a hammer or to push a broom or to bake cookies for, for builders or things like that. And so we have those lists of different ways that you can get engaged and involved in, in a project. But it's, it's actually encouraging to see how that's filling up because we want everybody to be involved. And oftentimes when we don't get involved with certain things, it's because that whole individual thing and and I'm so, so guilty of that as well. So now think about those four, these four, ignorance, time, fear of the unknown, why, why some of us struggle with committing to things. And, and again, I'm just talking generically. I'm actually not talking to any of us in here, um, or maybe it's just everybody in the overflow room. But, um, <laughs> but, but, but uh, what, let's look at the contrast of this. Acts 2. Acts 2 says this. Did I put this in here? Yeah, there we go. Acts 2.42, and it says this, And they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, and they were devoted to the breaking of bread, and they were devoted to the prayers, and, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and many signs were being done through the apostles, and, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and with generous hearts. See, they were first devoted. What's interesting here, their, their first devotion, their first devotion was to their God. This is where everything begins for us as followers of Jesus. Our, our devotion begins there. And this is what connected them together. Um, it was God because they were very different people. Um, different races, backgrounds, different educations, different economic classes, even different political views. At that point in time, they were devoted to the Lord first. And when you're devoted to the Lord first, it doesn't matter uh, those other peripheral things that we tend to get really focused on on the outside because we have the spirit of the living God and we're, we're transformed by the love of God on the inside. And that's what matters. So note some of their commitments. They were committed to fellowship, being with other believers in church and out of church. They had meals together. They shared food. They prayed. They made time every day to pray. Um, their possessions. Their possessions weren't seen as their possessions. They didn't own anything as they looked at it. They shared what they had with those who were in need. And I love that about our church is that um, I was visiting someone this last week and I noticed a, um, a tool that I was trying not to covet that was on their porch. 
And I said, I didn't know you had one of those. I would have asked to borrow it. And he says, well, it's actually not mine. It's somebody else's from the church. I'm like, oh, mental note for the future. But that's one of those things I love about our church is that uh, what we have is always shared. Um, they, they put together their worship services every day together. They, they were hospitable. They opened up their homes. They opened up their fridges. They, they set their tables for one another. And so how often did they do these things? Daily. They did them daily. Hebrews 13. But encourage one another every day. Encourage one another every day as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now, let's look. Let's look at some of these commitments that are defined here. Commitments that are defined. Um, Jump through them real quick. Oh, that's not there. I'm just going to read through. If you've got your your sermon notes, you can read those things there. Um, These are the different things that are commitments in the one another's. Be devoted to one another. Love one another. Serve one another. Welcome one another. Build up one another. Look out for one another. Submit to one another. Pray for one another. Speak spiritually to one another. Forgive one another. Encourage one another. Show hospitality to one another. Live in harmony with one another. Speak truth to one another. Honor one another. Fellowship with one another. Be humble to one another. Do not complain against one another. Teach one another. Be kind to one another. Now, question. Are these things that you can do well? Not without any thought or attention, I would guess. But I would say probably not. Um, these aren't things that we just do well naturally. We, we need to actually apply these things. We need to work these things out in our everyday life. And so if we were to say there's an, an application point, it would be, it would be this. Yeah, we, we're to work it out, to apply this one anothering to one in, in our lives. And it starts just by daily plug-in. Just plugging in every day. We try to say this often because it's important for us to remember that we are people of God's word. And with the ever onslaught of technology today, it's so easy to, to look to um, a cell phone or a screen instead of to the, the truth that comes in, in God's word. So we get to pray, we get to connect, plug in on a daily basis. Um, we get to pick someone's, pick someone's. Um, we can't do this with everyone. We can't connect deeply with, if, with every person. That's just impossible. But we need to do, do, do it with some. Do do it with some people. And, and really a good place to start, there's a, there's a, a word in, in the New Testament. It's called oikos. And that word basically says, means, literally it means household. But really what it means is the people that you're closest to associated with. So this would be your family. This would be those people that you work with, the people in your life that you spend the most time with. So this could be people at school. This could be people at work. These could be the people in your small group. Um, These are the people that see most often. And, and, and so these are the people to kind of focus on. And certainly if, you're, if you're, you're a parent in a home, you better be focused on making sure that one of the picks the some ones is certainly your family. But it also goes beyond just our family. And then once you pick those some ones, you have to pretty much be specific. Be specific about how you'll connect. Be specific on how you'll connect. 
It's, it's easy to look over some of these things, but just pick one. There's, there's 20, one another's there. Pick one, um, and it might look something like today, like just a, a little bit of time, or it might be a quick prayer, or it might be a note, a call, a meal, and invite them over, a conversation. It might be one of these things, but, but don't leave it to chance. If you leave something to chance, um, it's probably not going to happen. But instead, think and be intentional about being specific. Um, and then fourth, kneel down. Best thing we can do in any situation is kneel down and daily submit plans and prayers to God. Ask him to set the agenda, to give the appointments, to, to line up the one another's in our life for that day. We need that to be, um, in order to be a blessing, we can do things in our energy and our efforts, and yet it's really the Lord that brings those things in, and it's amazing to me, and, and I wish everyone got the experience to, to be able to preach a message um, or, or, or something along those lines, but it's just really, it's a really powerful thing that when you come to the end of your rope, and I actually, I bet you do experience this in, in your daily life as well. Um, my daily life is pastoring, so I'll just say it like this. For me in my daily life, um, there's times when, when I'm maybe got a perfect sermon put together in my own mind or a manuscript laid out, but when it comes down to actually coming up and delivering it, um, I have nothing to give. I feel like there's absolutely nothing to give. And um, I feel like it's just words on a page. And then to be able to stand up and deliver. And sometimes it feels like it delivers well. Um, Not all of the time. But it's a beautiful thing when someone comes and they say, thank you, the Lord really spoke to me through this. And most of the time, I don't even remember saying it. Most of the time, it wasn't even in my notes. Um, but that's the Lord's doing his work. And it, it's, because, it's because it's his work. And I always try to make sure he knows that it's his and, and not mine. Um, and it's, but it's the same thing. It doesn't matter if we're a school teacher and we've got kids. It doesn't matter if we are a parent. It doesn't matter if we're retired and we feel like we have a lot of time on our hands. Uh, it doesn't matter if we're at Meals on Wheels or we're, we're taking care of the, the food bank out here or serving youth. It doesn't matter. Whatever we put our hands to, we need to first kneel down in our hearts and bring it to the Lord and let him do the work because he will. It's his, it's, his, it's his deal. It's not ours. And it's a pretty thing. And then I think this last one is just a really simple one, and I, I really appreciate this one, and that's just to think small. Think small. A lot of times we have these ideas of, you know, we get inspired to do something and we want to just change the entire world um, from nothing. And the reality is, most often, we're going to love people best with the small things, just the little things, the, the 10 bucks at a time or the 10 minutes at a time, that one short conversation, that one evening at a time, that one meal, that one hug, that one tap of the shoulder, that one card. Uh, that one word of grace, one thing at a time, a small thing. That, that's, it's amazing what God can do with small things. Look at what he did with a small little church in the country. He raised a million dollars. Mind-blowing. Um, he does a lot with a little, and, and that's a beautiful thing. He does a lot with a little. So if you don't think you have much to offer, you are, that's not true. That's a lie. Every single one of us in here Every single one of us in here, doesn't matter if you're, you're talking up here or you're sitting there and you're fellowshipping with others or you're going out, every single one of us has that opportunity to make that one another connection in a small way, but a small way is something that we know we, we worship a Lord that multiplies, that multiplies. 
And so I appreciate you as, as, as a body of believers that, that understands this and, and, and does this maybe even without knowing it in the way that I watch and I observe you love one another. I love coming into this place. I, I, I'm so saddened, and it happened, it happened this week um, when when meet at different, with different groups of people. It's saddening to me when, when groups of pastors get together and... and um, they, they're, they're so downtrodden, they feel so beat up, and one of the things that they, they just don't feel like there's life in their congregations, and, and I just, I, I feel sad about that, and I almost feel like I can't say anything about here because it would just be bragging about how awesome it is, um, and how awesome it is to see God working through you, and I appreciate that about our family, I appreciate that about you, that you care for one another deeply, and, um, and you, you, you invest a lot of these things. So again, I, this wasn't a message for you. It was for somebody else, but, but still. But, but let's just say we do have this kind of down, but just imagine if we could actually, if we actually could just dig in a little bit more, maybe, maybe do one more small thing, dig in in a deeper way. If we really truly were um, in just one more way, love, loving and committing ourselves to one another um, in, in all the different areas, if we were to to, to seek out greater encouragement, to, to seek out greater um, spiritual talk or, or goading or provoking one another? What if we were to just in one small little way forgive one another um, a little bit more deeply or serve one another in a little bit more intentional way, honor one another? Imagine what that would do. It's inspiring me to think about what God's already doing, but um, the thing about it is that we, we always have a little bit more we can give as it relates to living in the one another's. Uh, it, it's an awesome opportunity that we have. And, and when we feel like we can't do it, or why should we do it? Why should we do the one another's? Why should we commit? Why should we go that extra mile? Because our God did through Jesus. He went that extra mile. He went that, and he gave, and he gave. We, we, we love and we worship a giving God who's incredibly generous and who was the one in others to us when he sent his son to die on the cross so that his blood could cover our sins and not just forgive the past sins or the current sins, but also take away the future sins. So he could do that for us. That's where we look for our strength in our time of need. We look there because it's already been devoted to us through him. The commitment God has made to us is far greater than any commitment that we could ever even make. And that's an awesome thing. Uh, that's an encouragement. That's the way it should be. He's God and we're not. And he's in control and we're not. And yet we can devote ourselves, I think, in more ways and, and, and have that opportunity on a regular basis. So, so uh, if you would, um, would you 